Welcome, everybody, to the third episode of the Reinsurance Podcast in association with Superseed. I'm your co-host, Jared Lee. And I'm Ben Rose. Welcome back, sir. Thank you very much. I'm glad we both wore turtlenecks today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was unintentional. It's a cold day in London. We had to bundle up. Just I haven't told you my jumper buying story, actually, have I? No. It was very funny and very sad. I found um, there's, a, there's a shop locally... Right. So, so I, I don't live in London anymore. There's a random yeah, background. They travel in every you time for these. Obviously. Yeah, that's why I'm always so late for meetings. <laughs> um, but I, there's a local shop uh, out where I live that sells really nice jumpers. Mm. It's like it's, it's almost like a jumper shop. Yeah. That's pretty much all they sell. Um, and they had this kind of cardigan-y like jumper, which was made by a company that also makes blankets yeah. out of wool. And I Should we caveat for the American listeners that jumpers are sweaters in the UK? I feel like this took me a while to... Yes. So for the American audience, we're talking about sweaters. That's so Continue. Okay. Anyway. Continue. But yeah, so, so these sweaters, uh, <laughs> <laughs> these jumpers, uh, the, the shop was selling, they had this this really nice one that was, that was like the same kind of really like a ornate blanket material. And I got really excited because I had these blankets that I'd inherited. I, that were made by the same company. And I, I, I got a size small of this. I'm not tiny, by the way, but but this might be a theme that comes up. <laughs> just just most most shops don't seem to to stock clothes. You just struggle on windy days. That's all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But um, yeah, they, they had this really nice jumper. I and I and I bought it instinctively, uh, and I I took it home and, and showed uh, my fiance mm-hmm. going back to the wedding topic, uh, and her brother who was visiting, and and they both burst out laughing and said it's way too big for me, which was really upsetting. Um. And so I was like, well, look, I don't care because, you know, I'm just going to wear it anyway. I think it's cool. And I'm going to set a new fashion style. And so then I wore it on a test video call with Jezen, our CTO at Superseed. And uh, Jezen's immediate reaction on opening the video call was to burst out laughing as well. (laughs) So I was like, "Uh, better take it back to the shop. Uh, So very sadly, because it looked like I was in some kind of drape instead of a sweater, I, I had to take it back and instead returned with this delightful turtleneck and another nice. jumper instead of so mostly because they, they gave me an exchange rather than my money back. So I had to buy lots more jumpers from yeah. the jumper shop instead. So there you are. That's the intro yeah. to the reinsurance podcast episode three, <laughs> Ben's jumper buying escapades. For, for those who Stitch. listened to episode two, we need to figure out a bespoke, sw- bespoke jumper making business that's relies on more than your blurry photo that's somewhat obscured to yeah this is true that this yeah. is the problem the the jumper shop did not have my measurements and yeah. so it gave me insufficient capacity well actually no they gave me too much capacity. Too, yeah yeah you they, bought more than you needed than I you did. needed i overbought yeah so I gave them the wrong data yeah. about my size <laughs> uh, brilliant uh, so what, what are we here to talk about today jared today we've got um the a discussion about kind of the white paper we put out the uh a couple months back, I think now, um, but all about sort of the the reinsurance ecosystem. I think it's a topic near and dear to our hearts. Um, when we prepared this white paper, which you can find again on our website, um, we brought together thirteen people from across the industry. It's so it's not something well, that lucky, isn't it? Thirteen. Yeah, I hadn't realized that. We should have got a fourteenth no, person or kicked one of them off. Or just not counted the twelfth and just said fourteen. Yeah. <laughs> Were you involved as well? Was yeah, yeah, yeah. You? I count. I count. Yeah. Um, but it's it's something that it's not only 
something that you and I and, and we care about at Supersede quite deeply, but it clearly something that's resonating with the industry. And it's this idea of how do we leverage what is an analog ecosystem now into a, a digital version of that. Um, as, a, as a super high overview, when we think about reinsurance, it's an ecosystem by design already. We talked about previously sort of seedants, brokers, reinsurers. But when you really you know, drill into the value chain, you have MGAs in there, you have MGUs, you have other sort of insurance brokers and agents, and in all manner, you have third-party administrators, you have all these people who sort of sit in and around the space servicing it. And that's sort of arisen quite organically, I would say, over the 300 years of, of this space. You know, even in London, we have the the Bureau that originally was involved with, you know, we have 300 people here who need to take premiums instead of one by one. It was like centralized. You know, technology does a lot of this automatically now for, for most of us. But you begin to see sort of the origins of, of a lot of this ecosystem that's emerged. But can I, can I ask a, a quick clarifying question? Yeah. Actually, I'll, I'll pose this to, to Cordy to research maybe in the background yeah. whilst we're getting... I, I was thrown, not literally, but... Uh, <laughs> he wasn't that windy. <laughs> no, it wasn't that windy. Um, but I, I, was, I was thrown when uh, our head of business development, Tom, um, was on a call yesterday, actually, and, and used this word that, that begins with three letters and ends system. And he didn't pronounce it ecosystem, which is how I would pronounce yeah. it as well. And I know that you pronounce it ecosystem as well. Yes. So that maybe is the American way. What did he say? But Tom said... Ecosystem? Ecosystem. And I was like, that's that's strange. What is that part yeah. of a dialect? Or is that... Yeah. Was it a subtle nudge that ecosystems are like echo chambers in their own way? Or, or is it just uh, I'm pronouncing it wrong? Maybe I've been using the American way all my life. And maybe Tom is the true Brit in, yeah. in that scenario. So... So yeah, we, we need to do some off off stage research to find yeah. out whether ecosystem is actually a valid way yeah. of saying this. Because I, in in a link to this podcast, we will have a dictionary dot com <laughs> description with a link to the audio or yeah. something. Unless we can get Cordy to hold up a piece of paper with a very detailed <laughs> description that we can't read from over here yeah. that explains it to us. The, the phonetic <laughs> dis the, the, the IPA the inter, international phonetic alphabet description. <laughs> um, but 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 yeah, I, 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 I'm derail, derailing the conversation conversation somewhat. But it, but it is a, a really interesting point, and I, I think you define it quite well in, in an article you published. Actually, if you look at some of the blogs that we post on Superseed. Um, this concept of an ecosystem, which nowadays we use a lot to talk about technology, is not actually a technological concept. Mm -hmm. It's this idea that you have all these parties who are interdependent and have all sorts of relationships uh, in a kind of symbiotic way, I guess. Um, and one of the really interesting challenges for technologists in our reinsurance space is that the ecosystem here came about long before any technology was available mm. or was an option to be used in this space. And so now the idea of creating a digital ecosystem needs to take account of that quite seriously. Yeah. Um, which, which I guess brings some opportunities, but also some challenges, right? Because people want to do things in the way that the ecosystem has been designed to do. Mm -hmm. They might not see the opportunity to do things in, in other ways. Yeah. There are going to be some things that would ruin really good things that we've worked 300 years on. Yeah. developing so we have to be very careful to preserve the characteristics of the ecosystem or the ecosystem yeah. that we like as we look at sort of the economies more globally um and more generally 
every time you sort of have innovation happening, it just it's opening up huge amounts of additional opportunities and additional tools that that emerge, right? And and I think instead of instead of seeing the rise of of these ecosystems, especially digital ones, as a threat to people's roles and businesses, it's instead seeing it as huge opportunities to do other things, right? And I think if you look at um, the internet and things more generally, I think Stripe is a great example, right? We were doing online shopping and making like you were buying online for years, decades, and and, a, and no one really realized how painful it was to build um, this sort of sales underlying technology into a website until the Stripe you know brothers came out and well not, they're not called the Stripe brothers, the Carlson brothers. Um, but they built this enormous business by making it really easy to embed technology that we had already been using, but it was just really hard to do. It's those kinds of things where, you know, we talked earlier, and I, there's a, a quote I really enjoyed from this white paper um, that's about, um, again, highlighting that the the amount of talented resource that we have doing really low-value repetitive tasks. And, um, and Paul Mang, who's the CIO at Guidewire now uh, and a close friend of the firm, um, mentioned, you know, quotes here that dentists don't clean your teeth anymore. And it's, you know, we have other people who, so the person who has the most knowledge in a space is the sort of one who just sort of oversees it. And we are, we're dividing that, those pieces of work up. I think for our industry, it's let people who are brilliant in certain areas spend more of their time doing what they're really, really good at and like m- carving out other things for other people to, to go into. Yeah, that would be a very premium service, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would. Every morning and every evening, your dentist will turn up at your house, clean your <laughs> teeth for you because they're the only one. <laughs> okay. We have moved on indeed. But but no, and it's, it's great actually that you're bringing quotes out of the white paper because I, I think this was a really insightful read for me. I, I know, Jared, you were sort of leading all the panel discussions that, that fed into it. I, I, got, I got to read the end product effectively. And you literally can open this on any page and find a really good quote, which mm-hmm. I'm now going to do because we're on video. So I can't cheat. Oh. I, I guarantee that if I open this on a completely random page, I will find something that's, you know, I mean, this is a great one. Okay, so Helen Stanway uh, put this, this really just prevailingly true comment. Uh, as an industry... We've got more data than we know what to do with, and we just cannot access it. It's really hard to even get consistent, simple, static data to do any form of analysis. It's so true, mm-hmm. like, like, like as, a, as a general prevailing theme. We talk about new data sources and getting more data in. We can't even handle the data that we've got mm-hmm. as it is. Uh, we, we talked a little bit about this last time, but I, any insurance company out there, I, which, which I, I, I focus here on the Cedens, partly because they're sort of at the top of the chain here and it's their data that then gets distributed to the brokers and then to ultimately to the reinsurers. But typically, you know, we're talking, what, three systems at least, if not 25, across all their different regions and all their different lines of business. Uh, and you think about the types of data involved as well that you need in a typical reinsurance submission. You've got uh, things like Bordero, mm-hmm. which can come from a system of record yeah but then as well you've got loss runs which typically come from a claim system somewhere else yeah and then you've got premium estimates which needs to come from the underwriters because that's not a historical data field that you can have written down somewhere and rate changes which tends to come from 
actuaries. We, and it's like, how, how, how do you get all that information in one place? Yeah. There's never going to be all in the same system, especially if you've we, yeah. just acquired another company as well. Or, or for, for people who aren't in the industry, um, this seems like a really easy, like, how many policies did you write last year? And just like in a, in a data dump or a SQL query, instantly getting that data out. But it's, as, as you sort of highlighted, there's so much nuance in that process that makes it really quite painful. Um, my partner works at a big bank in, in Canary Wharf, sort of the financial district of, of England or of London. There aren't any canaries, but <laughs> no, exactly. It's I've been. I've it's, looked. It's a I was very birdless as a, as a as a bird sanctuary. Um, but even little questions uh, around, like, well, how many clients does this bank have? There's not really an answer. Like you again, you'd think inherently that's a very obvious. Well, how like what is the who are like? But are you counting? the different, like the six different Coca-Cola entities globally as one or as six or as maybe different, different divisions might count them separately or they might have different accounts that they're double. Like it's actually, you have to really, really refine what is, is theoretically a very simple question. I think the same thing is true as you sort of said, how many policies or claims did an insurance company write last year? That should be very, very straightforward. But when when you look at it, there's tons of nuance around what makes that a hard question to answer. Not only all the different systems that you mentioned and and the actual difficulty in, in lining up like that policy and that claim, which isn't always as clean as you as people might think, but even even things where a claim was reopened, you know, a year or so later. Is that a does that count as a new claim? Does that count as a, like yeah. you the need to refine this further just makes a ton of questions and one person who the person who did it last year leaves the new person has to then somehow know all the assumptions that that individual made when they prepared those answers to those questions it's so true and, and, and things like like stacking yeah, <laughs> into this, like, like listeners put your hands up if you have to deal with stack yeah i can see hands going up everywhere already. i'm yeah. kidding we can't see any of you i don't have cameras in your homes can we do a live episode one time we could that'd be fun uh, we could we'll have we'll have cordy cordy's on it we're going to organize. Find a venue, bring yeah. people in. Have Actually wine. show them putting their hands up. Have, have wine. Yeah. So it would be a morning event then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> 11.30 <in the> <laughs> at the lamb. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, you need like things like snacking, right? Where, where you've got I don't know, the number of stories we've heard from, from students and brokers and reinsurers of the manual exercise of sorting the policies or the client names mm -hmm. from A to Z, Yeah. which is sometimes, you know, like... 25,000 of them yeah, and then just scrolling through and trying to work out whether you know one of them is Coca-Cola limited and yeah. one of them is the Coca-Cola company limited I'm making this up again yeah. Coca-Cola apologies if we've misrepresented your <laughs> your reinsurance purchasing structure <laughs> <laughs> and it's like you know oh is it Google or is it Alphabet is it Facebook or is it Meta yeah. well and I think that that's a really great example because there's really easy ones where you know it's we keep using Coca-Cola because it's a famous brand everyone gets. But like, does Coca-Cola have a hyphen between the words or not? But it, you know, and when you search alphabetically in a spreadsheet, like you can find those things. But like Google Alphabet, they're not going to bump into each other. So if one of the policies wrote it as an alphabet policy and the other part group, part of the group wrote it as Google or Meta and Facebook or Instagram or whatever those things are that are fundamentally different names, but is part of the same sort of policy structure. Um, it's super easy to miss those things. And you're reliant on that individual, one, being it's aware in it, uh, that it's in the book in the first place, two, intentionally looking for it, and then three, 
even knowing that it exists. Like if you didn't know that Meta, if Facebook changed its name to Meta or you didn't know that they owned Instagram, like you might be completely oblivious thinking they're just independent entities because they're all independently massive brands. And, and you're reliant on that human to sort of have that knowledge and, and take it into account when they're doing this work. And the, and the best part, and I, I know this is something that we're helping with in, in our our platform, which, by the way, you should check out if you're <laughs> ever on superseed.com. One of the, the real issues that we have is that the process of preparing all of this data is at the moment, uh, for the vast majority of people in our industry, an annual exercise, then post-renewal kind of gets chucked in the bin and <laughs> ignored from from that point onwards right so you go through this same exercise every single year yeah. and don't really learn from all the work that you put in the previous year because that data is in a spreadsheet somewhere mm -hmm. you know it's it's whichever analyst or, or team member happened to look at that last year did that work as a one-off mm -hmm. and they know that this time next year around christmas around <laughs> you know, the holiday season I, that they're going to be facing that exact same list again yeah and the thing that they almost missed last time they're probably going to almost miss yeah. Again, if not miss entirely. And, and it comes with consequences. I mean, if you miss these things, you know, if you're double counting limits, if you're getting, you know, confusions in there about what is a policy and, and so on, you could you could really yeah. end up overbuying. You could, you could yeah. have lots of things or you could underbuy in, in a few cases, depending on how well you do this exercise. Well, it's, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it makes sense for renewal. Like a, so again, for the, in the industry, there's so heavily a one-one sort of cycle. It's a, it's a bit brutal masochistic potentially to like do it that because everyone else is enjoying the holidays getting ready for for the christmas season etc um but everyone who works in reinsurance is like deep head into the spreadsheets doing all of this type of work and and this last season um you know post renewal reports are have been out for a while now but it went out very late um and one of the things we were hearing was that when when underwriters would have questions on data going back into the original data polls, trying to figure out like understanding what what drove certain metrics or what drove certain behaviors because even if they when they pull that data out if there's it's the, the clarity isn't always there which results then in in them spending you know christmas eve we were hearing stories new year's eve you know at work in the office till midnight just trying to rerun spreadsheets and sql queries and trying to interrogate data to get to an answer so that their risk could get priced like those things if we can improve that structure and the speed by which you can understand what's in that underlying data to turn it questions around more quickly i think that will make people's lives better right it's yeah. let people have a holiday <laughs> oh exactly exactly i think this is the thing and, and again when we first set out and we and a huge thanks again as always we're eternally grateful to the, the community really uh, the under 35s mm -hmm. especially the under 40s in the US as well, for guiding us towards problems. It was sort of like, hey, folks, <laughs> we've got a team of software engineers, and we want to make reinsurance better, not worse, mm -hmm. using their efforts. What are the bits of your job that you hate? And what are the bits that you love? We're going to go and focus on fixing the bits that you hate and protecting the bits that you love. Yeah. And and again and again, just like the number of horror stories of, of these scenarios of just being like in the office until you know, 11 p.m. at a time of year when you should really be at the, the Christmas party or whatever mm -hmm. it is because, you know, the data's come in in a horrible format, etc. or because you're wrestling with, like, 20 different renewals at the same time that yeah. all have the same problem. And you know that you're only treating the symptom of that year each time as well because mm -hmm. it's going to come back and get you again next year. Yeah, That is something I think that 
I'm I'm really excited that we're solving because yep. being able to present people with an alternative and say, yeah, you're actually going to get to go on holiday this year. Mm. And the work you did this year isn't all for waste. Yeah. It's going to come in handy next year. I think that's a really exciting thing to be able to bring to real people, you know, our ex-colleagues, our friends around the industry. I, we're we're yeah. doing a good thing. We're yeah. here, to, here to save ourselves. <laughs> I think it's like <laughs> if we things. think about it as, as a grand ambition, but just being able to leave at the end of the day, like it's 5.30 on a Friday around Christmas. Like go enjoy your evening, which is like a, a real rarity if you work in, in most parts of our industry, right? Um, especially on the broking side or the underwriting side or even the seed and this outwards reinsurance side. Just this sort of understanding that, yep, and you might get the one day off that's a bank holiday, um, but most of the other days around that year, it's like you'll be working really, really long, late hours. Like there's going to be always a surge in work, and, and that's just any, just like any sort of project-driven kind of business. Um, but it shouldn't require such extreme hours for for those. That's like two and a half months of like really, really long hours for renewal seasons. And, and I like the idea that if they were, you know, freed up to the point where they actually had a bit of spare time. Mm-hmm. You might avoid this uh, classic. Should we do the same structure as, as last year and, and exactly the same yeah. panel and and change nothing at all? That was <laughs> um, one of one some anecdotal feedback on this renewal was there was a bit of frustration around creativity in structure, and I think because it it came out late because the data was out late. Um, what happened was the the brokers and the seedings kind of went, we don't have time to explore alternative structures and alternative options with our reinsurers. Like, let's go with what we did last year, maybe slightly shift a couple components of it, maybe slightly move the AADs or similar. But let's let's hold it similar so we can get this thing done in the next two weeks. Because if we don't, if we go out with a brand new thing, everyone's going to have to start from from scratch. And if, if we can improve the process, not only by which the reinsurers can ingest the data and interrogate alternative options, which is something we're doing, um, but the speed by which the scenes and the brokers can have that data done and sorted so they can go away and even before they send it to the markets, explore alternatives and sense check things and, and provide different options. I think it's a huge opportunity for, for growth. Yeah, and, and I actually think as well beyond that, when we talk about protecting the things we like in this industry, it's it's something that we have to be able to evidence mm-hmm. that we can do as an industry, respond to our clients' needs I to avoid being disrupted because you know, that big scary word out there, disruption, mm-hmm. comes from the point at which you have an industry where everything is commoditized, everything is off the shelf. And the point of reinsurance is that it should be custom, bespoke, built to yep. your client's needs. And if that's not happening, if the client feels like they're getting a cookie cutter excessive loss, which is the same as every other client's excessive loss, then they're going to be like, well, you know what? Thanks, brokers. Thanks, reinsurers. But to be honest, don't really see the value that you're adding because you haven't really done anything useful here. You've not given me any new structures. You've not proposed any alternative ways of protecting, you know, my my portfolio or giving me growth opportunities. We've not really had a strategic discussion about how you can be my partners as I take my insurance company forwards. Um, So, you know what? I will do this all through alternative capital and no intermediary. Thanks very much.
You've got to go beyond that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to harken back to episode two's podcast, uh, link, in the, link in the description or something. I don't know. <laughs> Are there links in descriptions? I don't know yet. Um, but in, in the last podcast, you, you talked about this analogy of sort of data and you used sort of getting a suit and not giving enough data to have a, a truly bespoke solution built for you. Um, the analogy, the sort of story you just said, I think almost harkens back to that where the entire time our industry has had it, you know, bad data and stuff aside, but they would go into this shop and they'd get a bespoke solution for them every time. And all of a sudden one year they walk in and like the suit maker says, well, here's the 20 suits. You can pick from one that you want. The price is the same, but, and you're going, but I've lost some weight this year. I've gained some weight this year. I, I you know, I've, if you're, you're, you've hit a growth spurt if you're 15. Um, but I really wanted lilac. <laughs> right. But it's sort of that they, they don't want the price to change, but they're removing what was previously a deeply bespoke. Well, what are you looking for? What's the, what's the suit for? Is it for a wedding or for another event? Like, what are you trying to get out of this? And there was always that really, really, um, bespoke understanding process. And if we, if we just keep giving them the same thing, all they're going to have, all they're going to have is, um, frustration that, well, if you're going to give me, I'm happy to get an off the rack suit, but you can't charge me bespoke prices if, if that's what you're going to give me. And I think there were, the industry's kind of at that, at that crossroads where we still want to deliver that custom experience, but imp- and make it improved and faster. But you know, if, if we don't start giving them that and continue to give them that, you know, that's where frustration really sets in. Yeah, we've got to cut out the waste. We've got to cut out the, the boring bits that nobody wants to do yeah. so that we can focus on doing the really good bits, mm-hmm. the bit that we've all been trained for. Yeah. I, but yeah, and, and, and I realize we've we've gone off on one, which I think is, is, <laughs> is, is great because, you know, this white paper is very inspiring. But we were supposed to be talking allegedly on this episode about the supercharging the reinsurance ecosystem, which... By the way, folks who've been wondering about this question, Cordy has has done some offline research to confirm that, in fact, ecosystem, uh, as a pronunciation, is something that Tom has invented. Uh, so sorry, Tom, I, don't want to, I didn't mean to call you out there. I was hoping to call myself out as having pronounced it wrong for years. But I, I think that it's a very specific dialect that that's bringing yeah. this new term of ecosystem or it's, or it's making it more memorable. Who knows? Yeah. We'll, we'll 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 check in with Tom and maybe sometimes you have to next time. yeah I, I, it's funny it made me think of um so the when you sort of settle on there's this debate of how you should do, should or shouldn't do a thing um as superseded as a reinsurance technology company we had to decide on how to spell sedent right do you remember this debate we decided yeah did two e's, e? yeah, yeah. We went e. So there's always this back and forth of is it C D C E D E N T or A N T, and this is I think I think the industry has never settled on it. Um, so we've picked the way we're doing it. <laughs> I think one of my greatest accomplishments in my life would be if if when we retire, it's like it's spelled C E D E N T because that's in 2019 <laughs> superseeds that committed to that one, and then eventually we we got enough commitment to that vision. So. I like your priorities. <laughs> there we have it. CEO of Super Seed. Yeah, yeah. That is his focus. Yeah. To get everybody spelling seed in the same way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've got to standardize somewhere. you got to start <laughs> start building standards somewhere. Start small and work your way up. Indeed. Uh, uh-huh. just, so just bringing us back to the white paper, maybe to, to wrap up. Like, should we do, I, I've, I've got to do it once. Do you want to do a random page open and give us maybe All a right. quote to end on? 
something that, that people can go well, away and this has about. to be a powerful one right, I mean, it doesn't have to be the final you don't have to just read it out and then leave silence but it can be our, <laughs> our final topic before we wrap up it can be the, whatever oh. random quote you happen to find you don't have to read out the whole thing if it's long as well we know some of these yeah. commentators had a lot to say <laughs> yeah, they definitely did um, so it's the, the couple of them on this page are touching on what I mentioned before, before around people underutilizing their time. But the thing that kind of going back to the bespoke conversation we're having, uh, Sylvie uh, Wampus, Wampus Sinclair from Swiss, um, talking about how CEOs in our industry, most of their most concerning or most pressing risks are like not covered by insurance. Um, and I think that anchors into sort of the central point of this problem. The insurance industry, since its inception, has always been around having an understanding of, of what a, a client's needs are and solving those, or in reinsurance's case, understanding the needs of an insurance company, and from a blank piece of paper, figuring out a way to solve that. But we're moving into an, a world now where as technology is changing, as people are moving into digital and offline worlds, and there's an emergence of new risks a huge spectrum of CEO concerns of like Fortune 500 companies and the like aren't really being addressed. And they're sort of left going, well, if my factory burns down, I have insurance for that. Or if a, a coworker gets injured, we have insurance for that. But those are kind of low on my, my concern yeah. list. I totally agree. And I, th I think we've, we've built ourselves into an industry that services our own administrative sort of construction, this mm -hmm. thing that we've created as a way of doing reinsurance that's actually very time-consuming and difficult to to run and that we haven't yet, outside of Superseed, of course, uh, cracked some of these these issues uh, for how we can actually enable ourselves to have time to get back to thinking about client problems and things that the clients actually want to solve. Uh, and I'm actually really encouraged. Is it stat of the week or mm -hmm. stat of the podcast? Because we haven't decided frequency yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I Stand of the podcast, I think, was was really interesting reading some of the sort of renewal reports I, for the renewals just gone. I, we are looking at, despite having had a you know in excess of a hundred billion of large losses last year, we're still an industry where overall we're looking to make a sub a hundred combined. Mm -hmm. I'm using technical terms here, an underwriting profit for those of you not in the space uh, this year, as well as a return on equity for the reinsurance community of around 10%, in excess of 10% across mm -hmm. the board. So we are making money. And actually, premium growth has been really high as well. And premium growth has been outstripping expense growth. So there's a gap now. There's a bit of wiggle room, a bit mm -hmm. of space to start thinking about how do we get back to clients again? How do we mm -hmm. start being an industry that services our customers <laughs> yeah. rather than servicing this, this weird construct that we've created that we now call reinsurance. I think I think that's my my call to action, perhaps to end the podcast. Go away and think about how how we're investing as an industry and try and get rid of the annoying bits together so that we can get back to helping clients with yeah. the problems they actually want to solve. Yeah. I I think we share this belief that the opportunity for this industry to to grow quite substantially is there. But it requires, as you said, sort of a, a step back to cleanse some of those early things so we can reassess and go forward trying to go from, again, from a blank piece of paper on what are our clients' needs, starting to address that, that higher lift and, and solving problems that don't have a, a clear solution yet. Um, we've been very, very good at that historically, and I think there's a huge opportunity for us to return to that as a, as a space, as an industry. 
Absolutely. Time to supercharge the reinsurance ecosystem together. Time has arrived. Time indeed. So off you go. Go go and supercharge it. And what better place to start than checking out Super? <laughs> A shameless plug for, <laughs> but, for your host's occupation. But anyway. But hopefully, hopefully people are finding these entertaining. I think we enjoy it catching up and, and doing them so um yeah long live the podcast this, is, this right. is good fun thank you for listening to the reinsurance podcast we'll see you next time and uh, have a great week and month and year and any other time frame. <laughs> <laughs> right. perfect thanks everyone for listening